Hey there, friend. It's Clarissa, founder of Blossoming Fertility and the host of the Fertility Friends podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Listen, I know the path to motherhood isn't always easy, and you don't have to go through it alone. After experiencing my own fertility challenges, I discovered a passion for helping other women because I believe that everyone's fertility journey is unique and beautiful in its own way. As your new fertility friend, I'm here to support you through the tough times, to encourage you to keep going, and to restore your belief in your body's ability to get and stay pregnant. Grab your cup of tea, get cozy, and join me here each week for education, heartfelt conversations that'll warm your soul, and inspiring stories to help you feel seen and understood along the way. Listen in, because this one's for you, my friend. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Fertility Friend Podcast. Today, I'm sharing details about my pregnancy experience with my daughter. The reason I felt called to share this story with you today is because my baby girl just turned nine months, which is roughly 39 weeks, and I gave birth to her at 39 weeks. So essentially, she was in my womb for nine months, technically a little more than nine months, um, but she's been earthside with us for nine months as well. And I've been reflecting back on our journey and my pregnancy with her, and I just thought it'd be helpful to share more about it, especially as we start to think about preparing for baby number two. So full disclaimer before we get started, I had an incredible pregnancy, and I do not say that lightly. I'm not sharing this to boast in any way or to brag, but instead to just show you what's possible when it comes to pregnancy. If you haven't yet, be sure to listen to the previous episodes where I share my fertility journey and our conception story. They're linked for you in the show notes. But if you've been tuning in so far, you know that my story, you know my story, and ultimately that we had fertility challenges for three years before getting pregnant. And after the most challenging parts of our journey, I took a year to heal. And during that time, I was super intentional about preparing my mind, my body, and my soul for pregnancy, which I know fully attributed to the amazing experience that I had. So often we hear complaints about how hard pregnancy is and how miserable we feel and all the symptoms that we have. And I realize that's the reality for a lot of women who have been pregnant, and I do not want to downplay that experience at all. Instead, I'm here to paint the picture of possibility for you because ultimately you get to decide how your pregnancy will play out. You might end up getting a few symptoms. You may end up experiencing some challenges along the way, but ultimately it's how you view it and your mindset along the way that's going to make a big difference. And of course, what you do to prepare beforehand. So you get to write your own story and your own version of what it gets to feel like when you're pregnant. And again, that starts with being intentional before you conceive. So with all that being said, let's get into the journey of my first pregnancy. I thought I would break it out by trimester. So each of the first or each of the three trimesters, Um, I'll go ahead and list out the symptoms and the physical changes that I experienced, the state of my health and my lifestyle at the time, and then any milestones and memories that are worth noting too. So that's a little bit about the format, and I think that'll be helpful just to break it down a little bit better. So let's start with the first trimester. Um, If you go back to listen to the conception story, we found out technically, I think I was about mm, six or seven weeks um, when we found out officially that I was pregnant 
which was super exciting. And one of the first things that I noticed, which I'm curious to see if this happens with future pregnancies too, was that I, well, first I got a cold, which was really annoying. So I was sick, um, just like congestion and runny nose, sore throat, that sort of thing. So I did have a cold that first week, but also my breasts were so sore, which sorry if it's TMI, but like, oh my gosh, they just felt so heavy and almost like sandbags. They just felt like this huge weight. Um, so that was not something I was expecting, but that was some tenderness that I'd never experienced. And I know that that's a PMS symptom that a lot of people do feel maybe in their luteal phase before they get their period, but that's not the case. I'd never really experienced that level of breast tenderness. And this felt like it was on a different level altogether. So that was one of the symptoms I experienced. Um, and I do remember for the first trimester feeling pretty tired. I'm not the type of person that takes naps usually, and I'm not the type of person that needs coffee in the morning to get going. I'm not necessarily a morning person, but I feel like for the most part, my energy level's pretty steady, pretty stable throughout the day. So instead during the first trimester, I hit this slump, like in the middle of the day, I remember a couple of times taking a nap at like 11 AM or 12 PM in the afternoon because I just felt so drained. So on my lunch break from work, I would just go on the couch and take a, take a quick nap, which is really out of pattern for me or not typical for me. So I did feel extra tired, but I really just kind of leaned into that. And I know another common symptom during the first trimester and maybe even throughout pregnancy is morning sickness. And I will say that throughout my entire pregnancy, I did not have a single bout of morning sickness. And again, I attribute that to the nutrient stores that I built up during my preconception period, specifically vitamin B, B12. Um, I tested for that and I tested low uh, earlier that previous year. So I was supplementing extra with that. And I contribute that to the reason that I did not have morning sickness. So yeah, that was, that was great because I wasn't really sure a lot of my friends and everybody that I knew, everybody says like that you get that morning sickness and I never experienced that. So I do consider myself lucky, but also at the same time, I do attribute it to what I did to prepare my body beforehand. Now, the first trimester was a little interesting because at that point I wasn't showing physically. So I didn't really have, um, a visible pregnant belly, even though I was pregnant. So it's kind of a weird feeling because you, you know, you're walking around and at this point we hadn't told anybody yet you're walking around though. And you know, you're pregnant, but like nobody else knows <laughs> it's kind of this internal, I don't know, secret feeling, but I mean, obviously my husband knew too. So we were both excited, but, um, it's just kind of a weird, awkward phase, I guess you could say, because you do kind of have a little bit of an awkward bump. I never had a completely flat belly before getting pregnant or anything, but, um, yeah, there was just like a little bit of a, a pudge, I guess you could say, but it was, um, lovingly embraced. I was <laughs> excited to have any little sign of a bump that I could get. And, um, I will say though, even though I didn't have much of a bump at the time, my pants did start to get a little tighter. I, I guess maybe hips started to expand a little bit more already. And then, um, the bump was growing slightly. So some of my pants did start to get it a little tight, but not to where I needed actual maternity clothes yet. Now from a health and lifestyle standpoint, again, I was coming off of a period where I was just on a high when it came to my health. I was 
doing really well, had really good movement routines, um, hydration, nutrition. I was not eating perfectly. So be sure to go back and listen to that part of my story because I absolutely enjoyed treats. I was not um, eating very restrictive or anything like that, but I was continuing to take the supplements that I was on before. So that did include um, a variation I'm not going to remember them all off the top of my head, but let me think like vitamin D was one, a prenatal um, vitamin, oh, I'm sorry, omega-3, the B12 that I mentioned. I think those were pretty much the staples. Oh, and liver pills. I do take liver supplements too. So the only ones I stopped taking were some adrenal ones that I had um, began taking, I think like maybe a month or two before getting pregnant. So yeah, I continued taking those and continued with the lifestyle I already had. Um, and again, just maybe leaning more into that rest period. So I was not trying to do a lot and just keep busy and work myself harder. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to just enjoy this. I'm going to listen to what my body needs. And when I feel like resting, I'm going to take that rest. So that felt really good to just be in tune with what my body needed and actually live into it. So in terms of some milestones and some memories during this time, we did find out the gender. So um, we had gone to the OBGYN at the time just to confirm the pregnancy and get our first ultrasound. And um, let's see. So we did some genetic testing. We opted for that option. And at around eight weeks, we found out what the gender was, which was super exciting. Um, It was really interesting because obviously we didn't know, but like in my heart, I just knew, I knew we were having a little girl. I knew that during my preconception phase, I just, I just knew, like, I just, she's always meant to be my little girl, my daughter. So I just, I knew I'd be having a girl. So it was cool to hear the confirmation from um, the OBGYN's office when they called to say what the gender was and it was a girl. So that was fun to find out. We didn't do any type of like gender reveal or anything. We'll get into the announcement in a bit, but um, we just found out with just the two of us. So that was pretty special. And we did do that first ultrasound again, just to confirm the pregnancy. So I know ultrasounds can kind of have a mixed bag or it's kind of a mixed bag when you think about it, but ultimately I felt good with this first ultrasound because I know that can be a good way to screen potential ectopic pregnancies, which can be harmful and even fatal. So, um, just wanted to double check a confirm the pregnancy, make sure she was growing like she needed to. So we did that at about 10 weeks. Um, I think that was right about 10 weeks. And let's see at this point. So I was going to the OBGYN and I, I didn't have a clear plan necessarily, but my mom gave birth to both me and my brother at home. So she had a midwife. So that was something that I always just knew of, knew was an option. And I'm, as I mentioned before in my story, I'm not big on hospitals. I'm not big on doctors. So in my head, I always just assumed that I would have either a home birth or at least at the very least a midwife. So I was going to the OBGYN's office at first and was still considering whether or not I wanted to get a midwife and what that would look like. So I did ask the OBGYN for some recommendations to see if they had any midwives in the area that they would recommend And I did know that I wanted to get a doula as well for some additional support. So um, started doing some research to figure out who that might be, what that would look like, and all at the same time, still going to the OBGYN's office for just the regular, I think at that point, it was almost like not weekly appointments. Every 
every two weeks, every six weeks. I don't remember, but it felt like it was often. <laughs> it felt like we were having to go back pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, so that was that piece, just kind of starting to figure out what that plan might look like. But the exciting thing was, is that we finally told our family at, I think we were, we must've been 12 weeks at that point. It was 4th of July and uh, none of our friends knew, none of our family knew. And we had a big 4th of July party at my dad's house and invited some of our extended family, invited a lot of our friends that were in town. And we made these little popsicles that said, oh gosh, I should have it in front of me because I forget what it says. Um, I think it's just said, happy 4th of July. Our, our little firecracker is due. And then it said like January, 2024 or something. Um, so of course, when they were eating the popsicle, like you couldn't see that announcement part, but then once you finished the popsicle, then you could see the rest of the wording on the stick. So at the end, it just said happy 4th of July. Um, so Steve and I like brought out the popsicles and some people were like, oh no, I'm good. I don't want one. And I was just like, no, like eat the popsicle. <laughs> like I made them, they're homemade here. Give them a try. So we were trying to encourage people to get the popsicles and, um, everybody's eating them. And Steve and I were just like anxiously looking around, waiting to see who was going to be the first one to figure it out. And of course it was my brother, James, which is so cool because he, um, he finished his popsicle really fast. He ate it and he read it and he looked at me and he was like, wait, what? wait, no way. And just like so excited and just like pure joy in his eyes. It was just so cool. So he was the first one to figure it out. And then slowly, but surely everybody else was like, wait, what, what? And started eating their popsicles faster and trying to read the stick. And so slowly, but surely, slowly, but surely, like each table was just kind of like, wait, what? Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Congratulations. And it was just really cool. It was really special. My mom was so happy. Steve's parents were so happy. Like all of our friends too. It was just a really cool and special time to be able to finally share this exciting announcement that we, we had known for weeks, but at the same time, we, um, you know, we hadn't told them yet. And now that I think about it, I'm like, was it 12 weeks or was it 16? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I think it was around 12. I should probably confirm that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fourth of July weekend for sure. When we told them. So that is the recap of the first trimester all in all went pretty well. So when it comes to second trimester, um, symptoms and physical changes, I did start to experience some, what I'll call pressure in my pelvis area. I guess that was probably due to like the growing placenta and obviously the baby growing and everything too. So at times, like when I would walk or get up and really just when I walked around, it just felt kind of, um, kind of heavy. It wasn't super uncomfortable, but just different, different than the typical normal feeling that I would have. I did finally start to show, which was really exciting to get that little baby bump start to grow. And I think by this point, I don't remember how far along I was necessarily, but I did start to purchase some maternity clothes, especially maternity pants. Some of my shirts were either kind of baggy or would at least stretch over my belly, but um, the maternity clothes, the pants specifically did help to have that stretchy band that I could wear over, um, over the belly. So that was fun. And I experienced an increase in energy too. So I no longer felt that tired feeling and that need to take a nap like I did during that first trimester period. So um, all in all though, really no symptoms necessarily. Everything was going really well at this point. All of the checkups and everything that I was doing with OBGYN and the midwife were going well. So yeah, there were no issues. And I did end up hiring a midwife and a doula. Um, so I would essentially what 
I was planning to do, and we'll get into this later in the birth story, but the midwife that we hired, she's a nurse midwife and she has a clinic that she operates out of her home and she has a birth birthing room at her home too. So both Steve and I felt like that might be a good compromise to the home birth um, because he was not familiar with home births. He just thought maybe a hospital birth would be the safest and the best. So this felt like a good compromise in between of like going to her house. And then she also lived very close to a nearby hospital. So it felt like a win-win. And um, yeah, so we ended up going that route and booking her. So at that point I had stopped going to the OBGYN too during the second trimester because I had kind of talked, well, one, I don't know if this is the same where you live, but for us here, the OBGYN offices, you have to see each OBGYN in the practice. So as you go through your checkups during pregnancy, each appointment is with a different OBGYN, which I didn't like because I wanted the same person and to be able to get to know them and they get to know me. I understood that at the time of the birth, it may be somebody else that's on call. And I was ready to just kind of accept that at the time, but I just thought at least for the initial appointments, it'd be nice to just talk to the same person and build that rapport with them. But that just wasn't an option. So that was one piece that I didn't like, but for the first two, yeah, it was two of the OBGYNs that I had met with um, for my first two appointments. I had mentioned to them that I might want to do a home birth and just tried to see what the options would be. Um, and of course they didn't facilitate home births. Um, it had to be at the hospital that they were associated with. And then on my second appointment, the lady that I spoke with, she, she was a midwife also. And, um, she told me that the doctors, the remaining doctors that I hadn't seen yet, which were primarily male, there were only two females in the practice, which I also just really wanted a female. I didn't want to have to go to a male. That's just, again, my personal preference, but they were saying that the males tended to look down on home births and that if you mentioned that you wanted to do a home birth, that they would essentially drop you as a patient and um, would not continue to see you. So she said, just be careful if you are going that route or want to go that route, but you want to stay with us for checkups, you may just not want to mention that. So um, I thought that was interesting. I just felt a little, I'm not even, I don't want to say like, gaslit or anything like that. I just felt like it was more, again, my preferences just weren't really being honored and I didn't really have a lot of options and I didn't like feeling boxed into this is the way we do it. And this is how it has to be done. And I wanted it to be my birth, my experience and be the one to call the shots and make the decisions. So ultimately I decided not to go back there once I hired my midwife and kind of never looked back. So I feel good about that decision. I was confident in the decision and I'll probably do the same thing with the next babies too. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it kind of went off on a tangent there. Let's get back into the health and lifestyle piece of the second trimester. So during this time period, I did do the glucose testing at some point. I don't remember what weeks. I should have written down all the weeks now that I think about it, but it was kind of a lot. Um, it's interesting how you start to track things in weeks when you're pregnant too. I never did that before. That was a, a shift in my thought process for sure. But I did the glucose testing and one tip that I want to give you because not many people are aware of this, but the glucose testing, it's essentially this very, very sweet sugary drink that they give you to test your glucose levels and test how well your body um, absorbs the glucose and your essentially like insulin resistance and blood sugar levels. And um, it's to screen for 
oh my gosh, gestational diabetes. That's the term. Yeah. Gestational diabetes. And the drink though is full of artificial dyes and artificial preservatives. They're really not good. It's like bright orange. They come in different flavors too, but they're like bright red, bright orange, like a Gatorade green color too. So they're really not great. And of course, at this point I was doing my best to avoid toxins and avoid just any additional contaminants, right? From my food. And I didn't feel comfortable with that option. So I did find another option and I will link it in the show notes because I don't remember the specific name, but it was literally just a pure glucose drink. And it was just sugar and um, lemon flavoring. And it was like a natural lemon flavoring. And it was mixed. You just mix it with water and you drink that instead. So I was able to take that to the lab and drink that drink instead of the one that they provide you. So if you have that option, definitely advocate for yourself because there are different things. You don't have to just do the tests that they do. Um, I have so many opinions on this glucose testing, (laughs) but maybe I could do another episode about it too. But um, overall, I kind of just feel like it sets you up for failure. Like anytime you drink anything that is like 70 grams of sugar, of course, you're going to experience a glucose spike. And especially more so if you eat healthy and if you um, don't eat a lot of sweets because your body's not used to that quantity and that amount of sugar. So um, I have some hacks too of like, kind of like, I don't want to say beating the glucose test, but like passing the glucose test. And I felt comfortable with my blood sugar levels. Like I knew based on what I was eating and how I was feeling that my blood sugar levels were where they needed to be. But um, yeah, so like even after my testing too, outside of the lab, I like went and walked around the lobby and got up because anytime you have that high of a spike, that movement of your body is really going to help your um, body to be able to more effectively absorb that glucose into your muscles. So that's just a little bit of a tip too, because that testing can... I don't know, I think create a lot of false positives and I'll give you some resources too. If you have questions, feel free to reach out. Um, So that was the glucose testing. And then the only other, maybe I should have put this under the symptoms, but I did have, we had a road trip. We went to Colorado for a train ride up there and um, in Durango, which was really fun, but it was a drive for us. It was about, gosh, was it six hours? I think it was about six or seven hours. And during the road trip on the way back, my feet got really swollen for the first time. So I think it was just because I was sitting for so long instead of moving around. But other than that, I never really experienced any swelling other than that time period. Um, So my midwife did say it's best to not travel for more than two hours at a time, just from a circulation standpoint too. So that might be a good tip for you as well. But yeah, I didn't have any cravings either, which was interesting because I expected to have some like odd cravings, just like everybody says, like the stereotypical pregnant woman, right? It's craving like ice cream and pickles, but I didn't have any weird cravings. I think in general, I was just eating a lot of variety, eating a lot of different foods, but I don't remember craving anything specific either. Um, Let's see what else from a health and lifestyle standpoint, I did start taking a hypnobirthing class, which was really cool. And it had a just the concept behind it was really awesome and really empowering because it was just about how to overcome your mindset and kind of conquer some of those limiting beliefs and thoughts and perceptions that you have around birth and the pain associated with birth and the whole experience. So I highly recommend if you have somebody local that would either teach that hypnobirthing class to you 
or if you find one online, to me, that was really helpful just to have those those grounding meditations and those hypnosis audios that I could listen to at night and just really gear myself up and prepare for the birth as much as possible. I did also take the Mighty Mama course, um, which I do recommend. There were some really helpful tips in that. And then the pain-free birth course, which that one I highly, highly recommend. Um, it's just really great principles around the pain, uh, the perceived pain, I guess, of birth and how to really understand the physiological and biological processes that are happening during birth. Um, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but ultimately, like if you, or if any woman is unconscious, like let's say a woman goes into a coma and she's pregnant, uh, maybe something happened, her body will literally give birth without her. Like the uterine contractions happen on their own and they push the baby out. So the fact that our bodies are capable of doing that is just really incredible and really amazing. And something that we all as women can tap into that biology, that design that we have innately in us to give birth in a more pain-free way. So that course is really awesome. I highly recommend it. I also read a lot of books too during this time, um, especially in that second trimester. So pushed by, oh gosh, I don't remember her name, but um, again, I can link all of this or if you guys have questions, just reach out to me. But this book pushed was really eye-opening about the birth industry. Um, Maybe I don't want to say don't read it if you're like, might be like afraid of it, but it does go into the history of midwifery and the current birth culture and model in the U.S. I found it fascinating and I felt it was really empowering too and equipped me with better questions to ask and ways to advocate for myself so that I didn't get into a situation that I didn't want to be in. So that book was awesome. Also Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. Highly recommend that book because it has so many good things. And even if you're not pregnant yet, that is a great book to read for preconception health and nutrition as well. Super detailed. She gives a lot of studies and facts as to why these are the best practices for eating, but that was really um, helpful and eye-opening. And then Ina May Gaskin's book. So she has a breastfeeding book and then a birth, a book about birth. She's a very famous, world-renowned midwife. Um, and she just has a really great philosophy around birth and just the whole experience as well. So those books were all really empowering for me. And I hope you find them useful too, because I really enjoyed them. So for memories and milestones for the second trimester, we did get our second ultrasound, which was the body scan, where they essentially go through and figure out all of the different body parts to make sure that she is growing appropriately and that everything looks okay. It was really funny too, because as they were taking pictures, um, my daughter was just very camera shy. So um, we never actually got a picture of her face because she was, every time we would go, of course, well, we only went mm, twice after this. Um, No. I'm sorry, we had three ultrasounds total. So this was the second one and we had one follow-up. But each time she was just like hiding, she was napping. And so she just seemed really annoyed that we were waking her up from her nap and just covered her face with her hands and moved away. And she was literally moving around my belly, like running away from the ultrasound tech, which if you know her is just really so her personality, like, nope, this is what I want when I want it. Like, don't bother me right now which was really cute. But also at the same time, I think it's kind of telling that the baby was running away from the ultrasound because 
again, I think there's mixed bag. Um, it's a mixed bag when it comes to the ultrasounds because yes, they have some effectiveness and some really helpful information, but overuse of them, I feel can be dangerous, especially like the 3d ultrasounds and things like that. The mama natural blog has some really great articles outlining the, um, safety of ultrasound. So check that out. But yeah, I just think it was kind of telling that she was running away from it. Kind of like, Oh no, I don't like this, this foreign interference. I don't know. So take that however you want. But, um, I think it was pretty telling. And, um, up until this point though, I had not felt her kick yet. So I would feel her move. Like I could kind of feel her shift and move around, but not really like a full kick. And it was really cool because after that ultrasound, I started to feel that first kick. And to me, it kind of felt like butterflies in my stomach. It was so cool. It was like a little flutter. I just remember feeling that almost like yeah, it was like a flutter. And then I told Steve, whoa, I just felt something that was really weird. I expected the kicks to be very like pronounced and very like hard and obvious, but this was just like so gentle and so sweet, which is so like her spirit too, um, just the way she is and her energy. And it was just this cute little flutter, like, Hey mom, I'm here. Like, just so you know. And it was just really precious every time I felt that. And after this point too, we did start to do like little kick counts every night. So that's something that you do, I guess, just to make sure that the baby, the baby's movement is regular. Um, but I just, I loved that routine because I would be in bed every night and just reading a book and have my hand on my belly and just like slowly kind of count every time she moved. And it was like, she knew that's when I was counting too, because that's when she would be the most active. So it was really cool. Um, yeah. And one thing that did come out of the second ultrasound, I forgot to mention was that my placenta, the, posi the position the placenta was in was actually covering my cervix, which is problematic when you want to give birth because you don't want the placenta to come out before the baby comes out. You need to make sure that the placenta comes in last. And, um, and it's a certain condition. I want to say placenta previa, maybe, um, there's different things depending on the position of your placenta and it means different things, but um, in this case, it was something that they wanted to, the midwife wanted to watch and make sure that that didn't remain in that position, I think by like 36 weeks, um, because at that point it may interfere with how I wanted to give birth and it may result in an automatic cesarean. So that was something that was kind of anxiety inducing, but at the same time, I just trusted and thought, well, I don't feel like that type of birth is for me. And I think that it's going to move on its own and just kind of like resolve itself. I knew that she was moving a lot and a lot of things could change as my belly started to grow and she started to grow. So while I was initially kind of worried about it, I kind of just trusted and let that piece go and didn't let it bother me. So I think that's advice that could be helpful for many points during the pregnancy journey for sure. And so a couple of other things too, we did go on our baby moon in September. Uh, we went back to Waco, which as you know, if you've heard my conception story, uh, that was where we conceived my daughter. So it just felt really, really full circle to go back there and to be pregnant with her too. So, and I'm excited now that she's here to actually take her at some point too. So hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. But I also created... I shouldn't say I, we, <laughs> if I say I throughout this, babe, if you're listening, sorry, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> it's our story. It's our daughter. It's we, 
but um, we did create our registry too. And one thing that was pretty unique about what we did is we created a non-toxic baby registry. So if, again, you've heard my story, you know that living a cleaner, non-toxic lifestyle was a big part of my transformation because I didn't realize all of the hidden exposures that were impacting my hormones. And as I started to do more research, there were so many chemicals in baby products too. Everything from baby wipes to diapers to toys to baby food and formula that you know, has all of these heavy metals and chemicals and things that I just, I wouldn't want to expose myself to, let alone my poor little innocent baby. And so we were really intentional about the types of clothes that we requested on the registry, making sure that they were all natural materials. If there were any toys, making sure they're wooden toys or um, just nothing plastic, no plastic bottles, making sure that if we were going to give her a bottle, that it would be a glass bottle and things like that too. So Again, very intentional, a little unconventional. Um, I think some of our friends and family thought we were maybe a little odd, but again, I just didn't want to take any chances. She's super precious and I cherish her and I cherish her health and I know better. So I've made the decision to do better. If you are interested in that as a resource, I did create a free guide that shows you how to create a non-toxic registry. It has the products listed that we used and that we registered for and brands that I've since purchased and used now that she's born. And um, even a way to tell your friends and family and how to include it on your registry, what ingredients to look out for. So it's just meant to be a comprehensive guide to help you. So if that's something you're interested in, shoot me an email and let me know. And I will absolutely send that over to you for free. I'd love to give that to you. But hopefully that's a helpful resource. I know it was something that was helpful for me as I was creating it because I couldn't find anything out there that was a guide really to show me how to create a non-toxic registry. So, okay, I think that pretty much wraps up the second trimester. Let's go into the third trimester, so the final and third trimester. Um, as far as symptoms, I, again, didn't have any. I felt so good. My belly was growing. It was getting bigger and bigger, but I just, I loved it. I loved being pregnant. I felt good. Um, I guess at this point I started to really not be able to like see my toes as much and stuff, but, um, yeah, I just, I still felt really comfortable. I did start to use a pregnancy pillow at this point to sleep with. And the one that I found or the one that I had, the way I initially tried it wasn't very comfortable, but I shifted it around and kind of slept on it upside down, <laughs> maybe than what the picture showed. And that ended up being really comfortable. So that helped a lot. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, really no symptoms, no issues. My belly was growing. I didn't mention stretch marks or anything, but I, I wasn't super intentional about doing like, um, rubs and stuff probably until the second trimester. And I did use a few different creams that I did really like, but I still ended up getting stretch marks. So I don't know that they really helped, but, um, I felt like my belly, I didn't have the stretch marks while I was pregnant. It was like, it wasn't until after, which was kind of weird, but I mean, my belly grew a lot and it got really big, but I don't know. It didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was wobbling or toppling over. It just like felt so natural, like a part of my body. I don't know how to describe it, but at this point too, one thing that I will say throughout my pregnancy is I did not work out as much as I wanted to or expected that I would. I had had a good routine prior to getting pregnant, but 
once I got pregnant, I kind of just got out of the routine a, because I wasn't really sure what I could or couldn't do from a workout standpoint. And I didn't want to risk anything or do too much from a physical standpoint, but in hindsight, I wish I would have at least maybe walked more or done more like, um, prenatal yoga, that sort of thing. So that's something that I didn't do that. I wish I would have done more of. So something I'll be looking to try to do and incorporate into the next pregnancy, um, more consistently, but I did only end up gaining, I think 25 pounds total. So really not a lot. And I felt like I carried most of my weight just in my belly. Um, I mean, I did gain a little more weight, like probably in my chest, my arms a little bit, but, um, yeah, it was only 25 pounds. So it wasn't too, too much. And in terms of eating as well, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I did not restrict anything. So I didn't necessarily eat for two, but I didn't cut anything out. I really wanted to make sure that I was eating all of the major allergens. So eating milk, eating gluten, eating, um, you know, soy, not soy necessarily like soy sauce and stuff. I don't eat a lot of tofu or a lot of other soy products, but soy sauce, um, like shrimp, peanut butter. I had a lot of peanut butter while I was pregnant. I really just tried to make sure that she was getting exposed to these things in utero in hopes that that would help with allergies as well. So that strategy ended up working out so far because so far she doesn't have any allergies, but again, I just didn't want to cut anything out. I didn't want it to feel restrictive. I just trusted my body and felt like, what do I feel like today? What do I need? And just went with it. So I didn't follow any type of strict regimen or diet either. Um, let's see in terms of milestones and memories for the third trimester. One thing I remember too, I, I later learned those little flutters that I was feeling in the second trimester instead of kicks, they were actually her hiccuping, which I think is so cute. And it's funny because now she gets a lot of hiccups. I don't know what that means or if that's good or bad, but even while she's here, like she's hiccuping all the time and she always hiccuped in my belly. Cause I would always feel those little flutters and it was so cute, but, um, it was just so sweet. It was always just like a nice little reminder. I remember a few times whenever I would feel like stressed or kind of down, like I would feel her little flutters and instantly it would just boost my mood and really put things in perspective for me to go back to, you know, look at things from a different angle and look at things from a place of gratitude for all, all that I have and where we were in our journey at this point. So, um, she was always with me and it was just a really special time and just a wonderful experience being that close and that connected to her. And at this point I did have, I guess, a tentative birth plan. So as I mentioned, I was going to go to the midwife's house, um, in her room to do the the actual birth once I went into labor, but overall I didn't come up with like an actual birth plan. I know people recommend that. I don't even know what that would have entailed. Honestly, I just kind of was ready to go with the flow um, I knew I wanted to have like bags packed and things like that and have a general idea of where I would be and who would be there. But outside of that, I really had no plan and nothing that I was tied to, um, which I think helped in the long run. But I don't know that having an actual birth plan would have been helpful because things change, right? We, we always create plans, even um, fertility. Like, yeah, I had a plan to get pregnant three years ago and that didn't necessarily work out or three years prior to this. So, um, being flexible with the plans, I think is really important. So a couple other things that happened, we did have our baby shower in November, which was super sweet. We had a pumpkin theme. So it was in November, which 
it was like our little pumpkin is on the way. So that was really fun and cute and just really great to celebrate with friends and family. We had that at Steve's parents' house and yeah, it was just a really special time. It's crazy to think about having a baby shower, you know, something that I thought, gosh, would never come during our fertility journey. And it wasn't super elaborate. It was really simple, but it was just really, again, fun, really special. We played games um, and had a good time. So yeah, that was a really sweet memory with our baby shower. One other thing I should mention now that I think about the whole baby shower thing is that up until this point, we had done nothing and had no plans for a nursery, which is so contrary to what I am normally like. I am a big planner. I like to know things ahead of time. I have had a Pinterest board for a nursery well before I even thought about having kids. I mean, I've always wanted kids, but it was always like, oh yeah, you know, way later in the future. But I always had a nursery plan and like an idea of how I'd want to decorate. And um, yeah, up to this point, we had done nothing for the nursery. And it's kind of crazy to think about that too, but we also had done, so that was something that was on our to-do list, I guess you could say, but we also created a to-do list, or maybe I should say I created a to-do list of all the things I wanted Steve to do before the baby came and all the things I wanted to do before the baby came, things like making our will or like certain things around the house, um, just to kind of wrap things up and get things done before the baby came. And I will say that we had a really long to-do list and we basically didn't get any of it done. I think there were maybe one or two things that we checked off. And um, I don't know how that impacted me like psychologically and stuff during the birth, but I think in hindsight, I probably would have done a little more to prepare now knowing how demanding the postpartum period is and not having some of this done and not finding the time now. Um, in the thick of motherhood to be able to do a lot of these things, I wish we'd have did them, done them sooner. So if you have these to-do lists and you're like me, where things like that just kind of really bug you and bother you, um, try to get as much done as you can. But all in all, obviously it doesn't impact our health or happiness or the outcome of anything. So if you don't get to it, it's not the end of the world, but that was something that I do kind of regret, I guess, is just trying to get more things planned out. So yeah, that was the third trimester, but I I guess I'll go ahead and wrap it up now too. But overall, I just want to say that I had such an amazing pregnancy. It was just a wonderful time, a wonderful experience. It's a part of my life that I will always look back on with fondness and just pleasant memories, pleasant feelings. I will say too that I've never felt more confident about my body, which is crazy to think because that's like my heaviest weight that I've ever been, but I just felt like my body was made to be pregnant and made to carry a baby, which is such an empowering feeling. I felt really feminine. I felt really sexy, really confident. And the connection that I had with my baby and just being in tune with her and my body and what my body needed was just a really, really incredible experience. And I wish that every woman could experience pregnancy the way that I did, because I felt like it just made me appreciate my body, appreciate my baby and yeah, just feel really empowered as a woman. I don't know how else to describe it, but I will say that talking about all of this again too. And even before this, I'm feeling that pull towards getting pregnancy again. I, I want 
our next baby to come soon and to start trying for it. So we are going to start preparing for baby number two here in the near future. And I thought it'd be fun to maybe give you a backstage pass into what I'll be personally doing to prepare my mind, body, and soul over the next few months. So if you want to follow along and get a sneak preview into that, I have a special invitation just for you to sign up for the Fertility Diaries, which is where I will be sharing everything. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to be sharing my meals, my routines, the mindset work that's coming up for me, my cycle details, and just so much more. Nothing is off the table. And then also you're going to have the opportunity to ask me anything that you want in a private broadcast channel, which will be really cool. And I'll answer anything that you ask me. I'm an open book. And again, I'm not going to hold anything back. So if you want the, I guess, behind the scenes look into what a fertility coach will be doing and does to get pregnant, then check out the link in my bio to learn more. And that offer is available for you. So hopefully that's something that you're interested in. And yeah, I think, I think that's it for today. I just want to say thank you for being here. It really does mean the world to me that you take the time to listen in each week and to listen to what I have to say. I appreciate you being there for me. And I hope that I in turn can be there for you too during this journey. I want the absolute best for you and I'm wishing you a wonderful pregnancy filled with love and joy and peace and that you get to write and create the story that you want in your own pregnancy. So thank you for being here, my friend, and take care. Talk to you soon. All right, friend, that's it for today. It was great catching up with you, though, and I can't wait to do it again next week. Can I just say, I really appreciate you being here, and it means so much that you took time out of your day to listen in. So what'd you think of the episode? Let me know if you enjoyed it by leaving a rating and review. It'll just take a second, and this simple act of generosity helps more women discover the podcast so they can feel supported on their fertility journey as well. Thank you for being so kind and paying it forward. Oh yeah, and by the way, if you're looking to connect with other women who are trying to get pregnant, then I've got just the place for you. Consider this your personal invitation to join the Fertility Friends community. It's a safe and supportive space to connect that's off of social media, and it's totally free. Head on over to blossomingfertility.com slash friends to join. I can't wait to welcome you inside. Take care, my friend.